Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 2, episode 169 of this daily study podcast. Thank you for joining us as we continue through June the 15th to June the 21st, covering Alma chapters 13 to 16, enter into the rest of the Lord. And we are continuing with the section today, covering Alma 13, verses 1 to 19, priesthood ordinances help me receive redemption through Jesus Christ. Now, we uh, began uh, yesterday uh, with this section. Uh, we're going to continue today and uh, we're moving into a part where we're talking about the requirements of being um, within this holy order of God, meaning the Melchizedek priesthood. In verse 10, Alma says, Now, as I said concerning the holy order or this high priesthood, there were many who were ordained and became high priests of God. It was on account of their of their exceeding faith and repentance and their righteousness before God, they choosing to repent and work righteousness rather than to perish. Now, tomorrow we'll be learning a lot about um, the role of foreordination in all of this and how all of us, uh, not just those who hold the, the actual you know, authority to conduct priesthood ordinances, but uh, all of us are foreordained to the work uh, which we have. Um, but it is important that we remember that despite there being a foreordination, the role of faith and repentance and personal righteousness is also key. Um, I'm sure there are a number of people who have been foreordained to to be able to fulfil or do such work, but have decided to not make that choice to, due to their faith or due to a lack of faith and repentance. So uh, that's still important for others to remember. Alma continues in this vein when he says in verse 11, Therefore they were called after this holy order and were sanctified and their garments were washed white through the blood of the Lamb. So it seems that um, once that once an individual uh, begins on this path of serving um, the Lord uh, through their through their actions, that they are able to be sanctified um, once they are called into this holy order. Um, there's a quote that I want to share about this. And it's by um, Monte S. Nyman. And uh, he said this, quote, They became sanctified, holy, and the atonement of Christ takes away their sins. In addition to the priesthood, they are given the Holy Ghost, which is also a sanctifying gift if they receive it. Because of their pure and spotless nature, they cannot look upon sin without abhorring that sin. Nonetheless, as the prophet Joseph Smith said, I love you all, but I hate some of, I hate some of your deeds. Sanctification is not limited to a few, but to all who will be magnified, mag but all who will magnify the priesthood and be guided by the Holy Ghost. Close quote. And as we will learn, and as we have learned, acting and serving in the priesthood is not limited to just a few. This is a blessing that is available to many people uh, who desire to serve God. And we see many wonderful members who seek to serve God in their actions. Um, so, and, and Alma continues with this and says, Now they, after being sanctified by the Holy Ghost, having their garments made white, being pure and spotless before God, could not look upon sin, save it were, were with abhorrence. And there were many, exceedingly great many, who were made pure and entered into the rest of the Lord their God. Uh, and so we see that, that phrase again of entering into the rest of the Lord. Uh, and that comes through this, this service. And it's interesting how Alma teaches this. And then, of course, we'll see the events that happen to Alma and Amulek and what happens because of their faith and their, and their seeking to be pure. 
uh, Elder David A. Bednar said this, quote, I witnessed that when the save that the Saviour will strengthen and assist us to make sustained paced progress. The example in the Book of Mormon of many exceedingly great many in the in the ancient church who were pure and spotless before God is a source of encouragement and comfort to me. I suspect those members of the ancient church were ordinary men, men and women just like you and me. These individuals could not look upon sin save it were with abhorrence, and they were made pure and entered into the rest of the Lord their God. And these principles and this process of spiritual progress apply to each of us equally and always. Close quote. We shouldn't look at this example of the ancient ones who were made pure and spotless and entered into the rest of the Lord distantly from us. We should see them as members of Christ's church, that for that's what they were. You know, they were individuals that were seeking to do the work of the Lord and to connect more with him. And aren't we all in that position? Are we not studying these scriptures now to become like, to become like this? Uh, and so, you know, this blessing uh, is applicable to us i mean that's why Moroni, a mormon will have included this part in the abridgment because if you look at the end of this chapter as skip ahead to verse 31 it says and alma spake many more words unto the people which are not written in this book which is mormon's usual tagline at the end where he's included what he needs to include but obviously the person probably said a lot more things um but he chose to include this for us and of course he saw our day and so there is a meaning for us to have this. It applies to us. Uh, and so we should really take into consideration how this applies to us. The order of the, you know, the order of God, um, the holy order is completely separate and different to the Nihors. And this is probably why Alma was teaching this to this distinct group as well. A group that were very much following the way of Nihor. In verse 13, he says, And now, my brethren, I would that you should humble yourselves before God and bring forth fruit meat for repentance, that ye may also enter into that rest. Um, the philosophy of the Nihors was to get put put themselves up for a light unto the world, was to um, be, the, be the person that everyone looked to as the best and to pay them for their services, whereas repentance requires a completely different mindset. It's a humbling of oneself before the Lord and recognising that the Saviour is the one that we need to put our trust and uh, our worship to. Uh, and so, of course, I think that he's making that point because he needs to get this point across to any who will listen about the about how the way that they are viewing uh, worship and, um, you know, their own personal um, standing before the Lord needs to change, that they are not the great ones. The Saviour is the one who is great. And then, of course, he goes into this explanation of Melchizedek. Now, it's because of this section uh, of the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants that we know more about Melchizedek than many others, perhaps. Um, and it's interesting that Alma mentions Melchizedek at this stage. Um, there are clear parallels between Melchizedek and um, the Saviour. Um, some examples that I underlined was in verse 17, where it says his people had waxed strong in iniquity. So there's a clear parallel to the Saviour there. But I would say there is, you know, an also parallel between Alma and what he's trying to do with Ammonihah. He is trying to help the people to not be so strong in iniquity. The city, the whole city, the whole land is completely ridden with, with sin and, and pride. And so he's trying to um, overcome that. Further, in verse 18, it says that Melchizedek was called the Prince of Peace and he was the King of Salem and did reign under his father. 
Now, that's fascinating to me. If he is a king, I mean, obviously, we do learn later in the Book of Mormon, there are kings such as King Lamoni, who actually, you know, they are kings, but they reign under, you know, another monarch. And it was his father in that case as well. But it's fascinating that, you know, the king of Salem, Melchizedek, reigned under his father. and He was called the Prince of Peace. I mean, there is clear and obvious um, parallels between the saviour and Melchizedek here. And then in verse 19, but none were greater thereof, therefore. Uh, there were many before him and there were also many afterwards, but none were greater. Uh, and again, you know, clear link to the saviour and how there were many before him, such as prophets and those that followed him. Um, and there were many after him, which obviously indicates that there were apostles after him and there have been prophets and apostles after the saviour, but there were none greater than the saviour. Uh, and so, you know, that is quite a clear shadow of the say of Jesus Christ, uh, between Melchizedek and Jesus Christ. Um, there's a quote by uh, Jeffrey R. Holland, Elder, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, who spoke about Melchizedek. He said, quote, Latter-day Saints know more about the most about Melchizedek because of references to him in the 13th chapter of Alma. Indeed, in that other testament of Jesus Christ, Melchizedek is clearly a very specific Old Testament type of Jesus Christ that was to come in the New Testament times. It is noted that Melchizedek was king over the land of Jerusalem, did reign under his father, received the office of the high priesthood in the holy order of God, did preach repentance unto his people, did establish peace, and was called a prince of peace, all recognised by even the most casual of readers as characteristics of Jesus when he came into mortality. Close quote. So this clear link between the saviour and Melchizedek is something we can learn from. Uh, that there have been many prophets and individuals before the Saviour came that were foreshadowing what the Saviour would do. And Alma is is like one of them. We have seen the, the parallels between Alma and the Saviour when he was discuss, in, in discussion with Nehor and the pre-mortal parallels that were there. And what we're going to find is, not tomorrow, because we're going to talk about the foreordination in verse 3 tomorrow, but um, over the next few days, we're going to see some very clear and very poignant parallels between Alma and the Saviour, particularly in the Saviour's suffering, um, which is again interesting considering that Alma literally a number of chapters ago, uh, a few, a, few, a couple of cities before in Gideon was teaching about the Saviour and the suffering that he would go through. Um, and so I think this will be very insightful as we uh, continue our study. Thank you for listening today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Please share the podcast. Uh, on whatever platform you use and that you can rate it and subscribe to it please that'll be wonderful um you can join the the discussion you can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com that's ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you would like to join on a future podcast episode or share anything that you've been studying that'd be good to share on a future podcast episode and um, also you can join the Facebook group Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me to share your insights and to um see some more contents that we post on there as well thank you for listening and until we meet again